You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You were not made to make excuses. time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield. Another episode of the Seeky Excellence Podcast. Very excited today. <laughs> I've got my good friend, Corey Singleton, joining me today. Corey, how are we doing? Bro, what is going on, man? I'm feeling feeling very, very good right now. Life is surreal, uh, but overall, I'm feeling very well, man. How about yourself? Appreciate you for having me as well, too. Yeah, for sure, man. It's a, it's, it's a pleasure uh, and honor to, to talk with you today. You know, there's not, there's not many people out there who could think I was just trying to, you know, do a little catch up phone call and then turn into a podcast in 30 seconds. So I appreciate your, uh, your flexibility today, man. Sure, bro. I'm always like, when it comes to you, bro, like you know how to think, you know what I'm saying? I think that's a, that's a critical thing. You know what I'm saying? Nowadays, man, like having an outlet, having those people that you can really reach out to and, you know, speak what's on your mind, speak what's on your heart. But have that 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 same sense of like i feel where you're coming from but i also have my own perspective with things because a lot of times nowadays like people were just not taught how to think so um when it comes to conversations like this man it's priceless you definitely yeah. put a price tag on it absolutely man i 100 agree and i think you know uh it goes to what kathy gibbons uh so i had noble on the podcast this is going to come out a little bit after noble's second podcast with us but his wife kathy is going to come out pretty close to the one with her um and she's starting her own podcast called filter through a brain cell and so that's pretty dope. Um, talking about kind of like classical education and just how um, there is a movement. My my church that I go to, Our Lady of Lords here in Denver, they have a Catholic classical school. And and the difference between classical education is it really is kind of a a <clears throat> mixture, like a, a a combining of all the subjects. Instead of just saying, you know, this is when you think about science, this is when you think about math, this is when you think about religion, this is when you think about history kind of piling it all together mixing it all together and seeing how things are intermixed and interconnected, um, which is really beautiful. But the other thing they really emphasize is teaching people how to think, right? Like studying philosophy from a younger age and not just teaching them what to think, but how to think. And so I'm really excited to, to have that with her, but I'm interested to hear it too you with your podcast and stuff. Now I was just thinking about this because right before this, I recorded for a, another guy uh, mm-hmm. for a different podcast. Um, and so it's interesting to switch from being interviewed to now, you know, kind of leading this conversation, but um what I really appreciate about it is one thing I heard Jordan Peterson say a few months ago was he talked about when he gives his lectures and he gives his talks, he's like, it, it's really just thinking out loud. Right. And that's what I feel like I do on my podcast. And it's amazing. Now, 2021 is my first full year of doing a podcast. Uh, I started in like the second half of 2020 or 2020. 
Um, but what's crazy is like thinking about like how much clearer I feel like my thoughts are, you know, my mm-hmm. stances on things because I do come on here so often. And I've shared, you know, thousands of hours now at this point of just kind of working through these things and these ideas and these questions that people have. Um, and then I have, you know, like I always just try to say, like, I'm trying to give myself, or I try to, to put the message into the podcast that I would try to give myself, you know? And so that's why I feel like I always have something to say, cause I always need a little kick in the ass, you know, more often than not. So I'm like, how can I give, like, what do I need to hear today to a certain extent? Um, but yeah, how has that been like your experience with that? How, do you, do you feel like it's been helpful? You just kind of processing things and, and talking about different topics. Yeah, yeah, not for sure. It's still processing it because it is new. Um, but podcasting and, and creating a voice for myself has really taught me a lot about myself. And yeah. it's more so like you do want to reach out to that quote unquote avatar, right? Or you do want to help someone. Um, but more importantly, not man, like you'd be surprised that people, you know, how many people tune in and actually listen to you and follow you and things like that. Oh, for yeah. Me, um, you know, it's more coming, it's more so coming from a place of, you know, that reflection time of the things that I've been through, um, sharing your experiences and things like that. But, you know, it's definitely fun. I can tell you like just even creating a podcast script per se has helped me become a better writer. Um, but now it's more so like getting on here and just telling my truth, but really being me and not really caring what other people think. You know, I think a lot of times, even, even though people hear a podcast and they might not be able to see you, you still feel like, you know, you can fake the funk on a nasty dunk and have this facade per se, but um, no, like you get on here and you just kind of just be you, you know what I'm saying? You, you, you get out here and you just share your truth. And I think that's the important thing whenever it comes to, you know, creating your voice, your voice and actually owning up to it. Um, but no, me and OPS, we got the podcast going. It's been a lot of fun for sure. Like I'm more of the, like the technical side of things, of yeah. putting the, the audio together and things like that. And she does all the marketing stuff. So um, all in all, man, it's, it's definitely been a journey, but like I tell anybody, man, if you, if you have an idea, if you have anything to really get out there uh, message wise, like create a podcast is it's 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 venting in a healthy way you know what i'm saying exactly, and i think yeah. i think nowadays with all this stuff going on i think everybody should have a voice to a certain extent yeah and i think you know obviously you can go back and re-edit and take things out or whatever you feel like you messed up but a lot of times i i mean i i often don't right like i i, I don't know if i've ever like been like take out this chunk like if i have like technical issues or things like that. i mean there's sometimes where i record and just upload it immediately following right like i don't put our intro on it or nothing right i just uploaded immediately um and i think one thing that's good about that there is like this transparency right like you really can't hide if i'm on social media i'm raining on my stories if i don't like it if i feel like i went too far i can delete it i can do whatever and you can obviously go back and delete the podcast but when you're just rambling right when you're just on a roll right you're just ranting especially when i'm solo i'm like because at least when i'm with guests like i can kind of compile myself i take notes while they're talking and think a little bit um while i'm listening you know uh but when you're just ranting it's like dude like you're just going in you know and like it just truly you really are just yourself which is really powerful thing for people to see um but yeah i I mean i love what you guys have been doing you guys have a really dope intro by the way too i was listening to a few of them recently i I was listening to you this morning um appreciate that bro yeah did a great job so uh really cool stuff man but how do you feel like you've gone about uh finding your voice and maybe before that like give us a little bit of background i realize i didn't ask you to introduce yourself at all but Tell us about uh, the legend of Corey Singleton. Uh, no, for sure, man. Uh, for me, I'm a creative. Uh, I'm an author, uh, army officer. I do IT, cloud engineering as well. But, um, you know, when it comes to finding your voice, I think it started 
you know, back when we were both doing network marketing, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like you got to be this type of person that, that people are drawn into. And, uh, of course I was going through a lot of growing pains, but I wasn't really Corey, you know what I'm saying? But now looking back, um, I feel like I have a voice, but everything doesn't need to, everything doesn't need an opinion. Right. Every like that, that right there, that's a gym, bro. That's a (laughs) gym. You can have a voice, but not everything needs your opinion. Um, so I'm kind of mindful on the things that I entertain, give energy to and things like that nowadays. But, um, yeah, just finding, finding that, that peace of mind. Right. You know, something was on my heart, man. I definitely want to get into it. And I'm going to just jump into it because I can't stop thinking about it, but what is really real anymore? Like nothing, like nothing is real anymore. It's hard to really depict what's really real when it comes to, uh, you know, our government, the lies that we've been told, um, you know, social media, I'm tired of it, honestly. Um, yeah. It's just a lot of things, you know, this false taught history of things. Um, it's, 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 it's getting, it's, it's really irritating me. I'm not going to be honest with you. It's really irritating. me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I just, bro, I just found out that Christmas was founded on a Rome. What was it? San, how do you pronounce it? I don't know what you're saying. Oh, bro. What is the word? <laughs> it's, uh. <laughs> Did you just ask me to read your mind right there? Because that's what it felt like. Satanella, Satanella. It's an ancient Rome festival and holiday in honor of the of God Saturn held on held on December seventeenth of uh, December. Basically, uh, the festivities last through December twenty third. So this is basically what Christmas was founded on, right? You mean as why as to why they picked the date? Not even picked the date, but uh, because I had saw a post. <clears throat> the post was uh. Jesus wasn't even born in December, so what's Christmas really about? And then they said satin, satinaria, satinalia, and then they said look it up. So I go look it up, and it's like during that the working businesses come to a halt. Schools and courts are laws are they're closed, right? And instead of working, the Romans spent that day gambling, singing, singing, and playing music, fe- feasting, socializing, and giving each other gifts. Oh no! Did that shake up your worldview, bro? Shook up my whole world, man. I wish I remember because I actually just watched a video, ironically, like a week ago, that kind of like debunked this. It was from a Christian apologist, and he he was basically like addressing that a lot of people have claimed. There's a lot of people too that claim that like the whole figure of Christ is based on uh, mythology. That there's tons of different religions and stuff like that in the past who have had similar like savior figures and things like that. Um, there's obviously some massive differences, you know, in the way, like in the person of Jesus versus these other like mythological figures. Um, you can also point to like the prophets prophesied over, you know, like thousands of years ago, uh, the prophets yeah. in, in the Old Testament prophesied over the coming of a savior. And so there were people who claimed to be that person um, or were false, you know, prophets and things like that ahead of time. So I don't know the exact answer to that one as to why I, I remember I just watched a video on it, man. I remember, and it was like, somebody brought up that exact thing and the apologist was talking about it and explained why in Christian tradition, we picked December 25th, but it's crazy, bro. But yeah. no, honestly, going back to like your voice, this, this is something that I'm learning too. Like the more 
that you're putting podcasts out, the more that you're creating the platform for yourself, the more that you have to be educated as well to create more value for other people. Right. So, um, like I've been doing so much inner work. I've been doing so much self-studying on reprogramming how I think so I can tell my truth through my perspective. Um, and just how I see things, man. Cause when it comes to this whole Omarion COVID variant that's out. Like, <laughs> I call it Omarion, bro. That Omarion, was really funny. whatever it's called. But um, like you know, of course they would put it back out in the wintertime around the holidays, right? Like they would try to make this a big thing. I know Chicago just put the mandate out, and uh, it's it's wild, bro. It's wild. And then I know you know because again, you know how to think. You saw the Joe Rogan podcast with that doctor, and he was basically saying like COVID was actually supposed supposed to happen in 2025, but they released it earlier. Oh, Dr. Peter McCullough. Yeah, bro. Yeah, I've been sharing the shit out of that uh, recently. And I'm reading the book, The Real Anthony Fauci, right now. Um, How is it? It has a lot of different things. Um, it's it's incredible. Yeah, you you have to read it. It's, uh, well, I'm listening to it on Audible. So okay. um, I'm listening to it. And it's just, I mean, it's fire. But I need to order the physical copy, too, because he's got too many stats and things like that that I want to reference uh, in future writing and podcasts and things that I need it. And I need it before they start to burn it and uh, ban it. So <laughs> I'm trying to buy all those no, types of books facts. before it happens. Um, no, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, man. So it's, it's really wild. Uh, and I think that reading or listening to that podcast with Joe Rogan, uh, with Dr. Peter McCullough, who, who Robert Kennedy in the book, real Anthony Fauci references a lot. Um, when you see all these different types of things, man, it's really crazy, uh, to kind of, yeah, I think you have to take in into account and really question everything. I think it's even great, you know, like going back to the, the Christmas thing and we'll include some articles and things like that, that, that share different views on that. Um, but like, just, just taking the time, like you said, as you have a podcast and as you develop more of a platform or influence in the lives of other people, just being more educated, you know? And I think it's something that you talked about, uh, that you mentioned earlier was our time in like network marketing together. And that was one of the times in my life where I really saw people up close and personal, um, living inside the cave. If you've ever, if you're familiar with like Socrates allegory of the cave of, you know, basically people being inside a cave their whole lives and kind of chained up and thinking that like shadows on the wall are reality, right? So mm-hmm. seeing like shadows of a tree and shadows of a rock and shadow of all these things. And the philosopher's job is to come inside and unchain them and take them outside and be like, this is a tree. This is the sun. This is a leaf. This is dirt. That's a rock. And the person who's been inside the whole time says, no, that's not true. And points back into the cave and says, that's a tree. That's a rock. Like that's reality. Um, because it's all that they've known. And he says, even as you come out into the sun, right? Like if you've been in a dark cave all of your life, um, like the sun hurts, like, and the sun is the source of truth in this, you know, analogy. And he's like the, the sun, it hurts your eyes, right? Like it's painful to see real things and to take it all in. And you have this like sense of denial. And that was one of the first times in my life where I really saw people, um, especially I thought like on the faith stuff that was shared. Um, it was obviously like a very like non-denominational, like Christian culture, um, and I don't think it was representative of all non-denominational Christian cultures, but that was what I think a lot of the people ascribed to. Um, but like as a Catholic, it was really interesting to me to see so many people like, like just take these people who were maybe financially successful or successful in the business, become right. like theologians in the minds of all these other people who were very not formed in their faith and never like doubt or stop to question anything they told them. Right. And obviously you're like trained in like, um, you know, uh, manipulated to think that you had to take everything you're uh, coach or mentor, you know, said as like gospel truth, but to, to just see how many people, even conservatives, conservative Christians who like just accepted anything that was told to them and didn't question or think about it, uh, is, is quite concerning, 
you know, very, very and I think that the, the best apologetics, the best apologists and people who can defend the Christian faith are people, um, or, or, or people who can even defend like where they stand politically are the people who question it. Right. Like, I feel like a lot of my political de- de- uh, stances, I can so easily defend them now because I've questioned and doubted them. And some of them was on the other side at one point, you know? And so like, I can argue and debate with people about a lot of those things because I've been, you know, like I've, I've heard it. I've, I've had the doubts, you know? Yeah, no, that's good. And I remember the, co- the conversation we had last, um, we were when I was living up in uh, Harrisburg and uh, you took me to that amazing pizza shop, man. Roberto's. Pizza was really good, bro. Shout out to Roberto's mom and pop Roberto's pizza shop, man. Uh, but no, having that conversation with you, it really opened up my eyes to help me understand what are what are my political views, right? And I'm still learning, yeah. Because I was I wasn't taught, you know, because you got that Joe Biden tattoo on your back, you know. <laughs> For all those listening, there's no Joe Biden tattoo. On my he got back. that Biden Harris <laughs> 2020 logo. No man, on like the calf. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's man the got thing. the calf tat. <laughs> Growing up, if for me, like my mom is my mom's Caucasian. My dad was black. Right. But growing up, my mom never spoke politics. Right. Yeah. I was taught growing up that if I was black, I was an automatic Democrat and all white people were Republicans. Right. And that was and that was Same. it. Same. And that was it. That's, That's the honest right. God's truth, bro. Like I didn't grow up getting into it or wanting to understand it. But nowadays, like I see there's levels of importance of politics, which can shape your views and in, in, in cultures of how you live your life. Right. Um, which I think is important. So for me, like, man, shout out to you for really helping me kind of, you know, walk through past experiences to help me kind of shape, you know, my truth in the same sense. Um, but yeah, it's important, man. But uh, it's crazy too, because when you're able to start thinking for yourself and you start doing the research and you're looking up facts and something that's just not told to you through social media or the news um you gain a new perspective and with that perspective you start telling your family and friends things like that of what's going on around you how you see things and they shun you bro yeah. like oh, honest, yeah. honest to god's truth man like when i told people that <laughs> okay. i had voted for trump when i told people i voted for trump this past election and i started like spitting the facts of like what Why? the Biden administration, yeah, that what, what their administration did, what what Black Lives Matter was really about, and how they took all that money and funded their campaign and stuff like that. Um, people in my family were like, "Why would you do that?" You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But now they're coming back to me and they're saying, "Hey, I'm I, I'm sorry, I apologize." Right. You know, I'm bro, I'm so serious because now I have I like I've, I've had I have facts, really I have facts. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, you can't. And this is this is you can't be the year yet. We haven't hit the year yet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh man, I see it all the time. Yeah, people post it, and they'll be like, and, and some pretty liberal leftist friends of mine, or, or you know, at least people on social media. But I, I that they're posting, you know, like oh, Joe Biden sucks, and they're still saying like it should have been Bernie or whatever. And like people aren't starting to realize yet that like a lot of what Biden is doing is like implementing like Bernies and AOCs. Like he's he's with the extreme left. Like he's not doing anything that's moderate. Right. Like you can't get mad at him for being moderate than saying like a further left person like. Bernie Sanders would have been better because Ber- he's doing the stuff Bernie would have done. So yep. it doesn't really make any sense. I mean, he, he picked Kamala Harris as his vice president. She was like the most or second most uh, left uh, senator when she was a senator, like based on her voting record, they said, even further left than Bernie. So it's like, how, like talk to me here. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. how, how would Bernie have been much better? They just, I think, still have like a false hope that Bernie would have already like erased student loan debt and made uh, health care free, which is just, I mean, that's what socialists do. They, they make false promises. But right. that's a, here, go ahead. 
here's the thing with the uh, canceling the student loan debt, right? I just saw a post and it said canceling up to $50,000 of student loan debt per borrower would immediately increase the wealth of black Americans by 40%. So that lies the question is that, is that the reason why he, they won't do it? You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? But again, black people, they did it for the votes. It is what it is, right? He said all that stuff for the votes. Oh, yeah, but they dabble in the BLM. They, they dabble, man. <clears throat> you know, people fell for it. Like, if you look at all the, the BLM uh, movement and all the profit, that money never went back to the community. Right. None of it. It went towards Biden oh, yeah. and, and I mean, his they, stuff. They bought multi-million dollar houses. It, it's it's the, sickening. The top of BLM. Yeah, they, they made it out, bro. And all the money, yeah, went straight to the campaign uh, and, or, or to their pockets. And the people in the community, they just, I don't know what it is, man. Um, it's yeah, I can't scary. remember. I think it might have been... Uh, Damn, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mess up the stats, so I probably won't share it. But there was like some city, I want to say it was Chicago, uh, recently. Maybe it wasn't Chicago. It might have been another city, but some city recently where they were talking about like COVID deaths over the last week or something was like uh, one, and then like four or maybe it was like yeah, I think it was like over a week period they had like one COVID death in this city, and they ended up having four homicides in one day. You know, and I think that's the question that. It used to be like immediately you were just racist if you brought up like, why doesn't Black Lives Matter care about like black on black crime or, you know, right. homicides and things like that, um, even though the numbers are just out, out of this world. You know, the number of the percentage of homicides in the U.S. that are committed by black people in the first place, but then secondly, that are black on black. It's, it's absurd. It's unbelievable. Right. Um, but when you think about that and then you think about this, this outrage and you see these people just continuously outraged over the very, very rare occurrence where a black man is killed by a police officer um, and even further rare occurrence where the black man, the, the, the guy was not actively committing a crime or resisting arrest when he was killed by a police officer. Obviously the deaths are tragic no matter what happens. And there's a lot of emotions and things are going on and things like that. But I think it's foolish and naive to say that either way, right. To say that every black man who's killed by the police shouldn't have been killed. And every black man who's killed by the police should have been killed. Um, you know, like neither the cop nor the victim are always right. You know, yeah. and I think we have to recognize that. And so if you take out the percentage, even if you ballpark on the, the very liberal side, right, and you say, let's say only 10 percent or 20 percent of those who are killed by police, um, like the police was justified in doing it, because it is true that sometimes <laughs> police are just they don't sign up just to die. Right. Like they do have the right to defend themselves. And so if you take that and you look at it and you say, OK, that's a very small number compared to just like a city like Chicago or um, New Orleans or, you know, like some of these other cities. And you look at the, the crime rates, man, it's just unbelievable. The skyrocketing we've seen in crime over the last two years. And, and nobody suffers more from defunding the police, which, which white liberals love to promote, um, the inner city black people. They don't, they, they, it's been very clear in all polls and voting that black people in the inner city do not want that to happen because they know that they suffer. They know that they rely on the police and that more policing actually leads to less crime. Um, and the stats show that. And so that's why you see all these cities like Minneapolis, like Los Angeles, like New York City, starting to pour more money into policing because they tried this bullshit of defund the police for a while. And we've seen unfathomable increases in crime over, and especially murder, um, yeah. uh, but also theft and all, other, you know, all types of violent crime over the last year and a half, which is really tragic because it could have just been avoided. So let me ask you a question. Um, and this was something that kind of irritated me the other day because I was just thinking, man, uh, when it comes to power, greed, um, you know, people wanting to control things, right? Like, why does evil exist? And then I go back 
to the understanding of, you know, the, the free will, God, you know, God giving us a choice and things like that. But what is your what is your perspective as far as why does evil exist in the world? Um, and then kind of I just want your thoughts too. where do you see the world in five to 10 years? Just based off everything of, what, of what's going on today, because yeah, those are two big questions. It's 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 scary, man. It really, really is scary, especially with this this metaverse, you know, false reality coming into play, bro. Um, like if it was me, if it was up to me, man, I just isolate myself and go live on an island or something like that. But yeah. you know, what's your what's your perspective? Yeah. So the question of evil, I think it, it does ultimately come down to free will. Yeah. Um, and I think we have to recognize that uh, the same way that we we look at you know, um, like sunny days are better because there's rain. Right. And, and like, we appreciate the love that we have for each other and like getting to see each other because there is kind of like that missing each other. Right. Like there's the, like those loneliness exists. Right. So that's why it feels so much better to be with people um, or even like in a relationship. Right. So um, uh, this is probably gonna come out like shortly before I'm married. Uh, and so engaged now. And like, I, it's a lot better, at least at this point in the relationship of like, we're choosing each other. You know, we're not being forced. It's not like an arranged marriage or anything like that. And even when you had arranged marriages, eventually you had to choose the other person, right? You had to choose to love them. And so we have that choice. We have the ability to choose. And that's what makes things beautiful, right? That's why people love Mother Teresa. That's why people love uh, those who go and serve the poor, those who go and serve in the military, right? Like we still appreciated the service of those who were drafted, but it's different, you know, when somebody volunteers in a time of war to go and join and, and serve, right? But even those who like were drafted, obviously at some point have to choose and like comply and go, you know, and go into battle. And so we still appreciate their service and all that stuff. But we do recognize that, like, I think there's a there's a gratitude in, in a volunteer army for people who go and do that. And so God giving us free will, giving us freedom of choice, um, we, we have the capacity and the ability to choose the wrong thing. Right. And I think people often do. And so it's it's the it's the greatest blessing and the greatest curse that we have. I think is the ability to choose and, and to choose good or choose evil. And there's a lot of people who choose evil. And so I think that goes into the uh, next five to 10 years. My, my perspective, bro, is that I think 2022 elections are going to be massive. Um, and I think that 2024 is going to be the biggest election of all time. And so I don't know, and I don't have a huge stance on whether or not, I mean, I do believe that there is at least some fraud. I think it's impossible to think that there was zero fraud in the 2020 right. election. I'm not saying that Trump lost because of fraud. Um, but I think you are a stupid person if you if you like truly stupid and ignorant, if you think that there was not one person who threw away one ballot, you know what I mean, um, with the yeah. way that they felt and how much uh, was around this and, and pro- possibly on both sides. But uh, I, I know I've heard personal stories of people who in Pennsylvania voted 13 times for Biden because they were picking up different um, uh, like mail in ballots and things like that. Like I got a mail in ballot here in, in Colorado for our elections uh, this past uh, this past year. And I'd never asked for one, you know, and like the, the think that like people think that that's a good idea to just send everybody a mail-in ballot, no matter what the circumstances is absolutely crazy to me. Um, but I think that, yeah, that's a, that's a distraction, but 2022 and 24, I think are going to be really big. I think if, if we have Democrat control through 2022 and 24, I could see them pushing things like expanding the Supreme court, adding in new States. And then I think we, I, I truly like am not hopeless as a Christian, um, but hopeless as an American, I, I would at that point be like, we need to make some like serious decisions of like, I'd be looking at moving to Texas or Florida or like South Dakota, something like that. Um, and like being like, we have to like kind of hunker down because I think yeah. it's going to get really bad. I think people are really underestimating how bad it can be. 
Um, and that's something that's really sad. And I think you've seen a lot of Biden supporters. My hope is that you've seen a lot of Biden supporters see like, this isn't that great. You know what I mean? Like this kind of sucks, which is why I really, really hope and pray that President Trump does not run again in 2024, because I think that he would be the Hillary Clinton of 16 and 24, where the only person that could have lost to Donald Trump in 2016, because we didn't know like what his policy stuff was. He was a loose cannon. He was wild. He had all the scandals and stuff in the past uh, was Hillary Clinton. Cause she's like one of the most hated people in America. And I think that the same thing is true for him in 24. So I truly hope that there's another uh, conservative who will run for the Republican ticket. Who's a true conservative I, and, and, and actually a likable person. Yeah. I, I would like to see, now you can give me your thoughts on this too, but I would like to see Candace Owens run. I think that'd be very interesting. Um, but also I cannot remember her name, but I think she resides from either Florida or California and she was a uh, military veteran and she had a couple tours. Is she a Congresswoman? I believe so. Yeah. She's I, a Democrat, Tulsi Gabbard. Is that her? I think that is. Her. Yeah. That sounds She's my really favorite familiar. Democrat. Bro. And yeah. She was a major um, yeah. in the army. Yeah. I, I, I think she's still in like the reserves of national guard. I she's think she's Hawaii. Still okay. Hawaii. Okay. I think yep. she still is in the reserves too, but I would love to see her go into campaign as well. That'd be very, very interesting. Um, I heard she has, poly- I heard she has positive characteristics about her and she's just oh, a, a solid person and she has she's an old soul, school Democrat, you know what I'm saying? So <clears throat> to a certain yeah. extent, like a classical it's liberal crazy, type, you know what I mean? Like she's not an abortion fanatic. She's not like pro, like all gender theory in schools. Like she's definitely not a radical leftist, but ascribes to more Democrat leading things. She's, she's one of the Democrats that like in, in 10 years is going to be a Republican because the left goes so far left. You know what I mean? That. That's how a lot of people end up becoming conservative. Um, but that's what I think is going to be really interesting, man. And I'm worried about the world for five to 10 years, because I think that as America starts to go away, like who is there? You know what I mean? Like, like America, the U S is the one that stood up against the Soviet union. Like if we go and become more and more socialist, like who's, who's there to stop it. Europe is already more left and more socialist than we are. Russia is ready to go back. You know what I mean? Like China is yep. a communist country, literally. Um, like who, who is there to stop if, if we do it, like who's going to stop the rest of the world from just caving in upon itself. Um, and so I think people don't even recognize the weight that and responsibility that we have in the world to like, to maintain democracy and capitalism and uh, conservative values and individual freedom. Which is what America, that's why America was so radical because we were like, the individual has the rights and the government yep. is supposed to be restricted. And now we're switching to say the individual is restricted. The government has the rights to do all it's, these different things. It comes back full circle, man. That's why everything starts with the people. And yep. it's important for us again. Like, that's why I'm just so big on understanding how to think. Like, right. that's where that's where it starts at, man. And yep. and knowing how do you want you, how do you want to live your life? Um, you know, give me choices. I love choices. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I want a life, I want a I want to live a life with choices. I don't want to fall under no type of social credit system or none of that. Like, that's that's not that's not healthy. Yeah, to give people the transparency and education to make educated decisions. You know, that's yeah. what Noble and I talked a lot about that in our episode together of, uh, well, not, no, it wasn't Noble and I. It was uh, Sean Clifford and I. He's the CEO of Canopy, and Canopy is kind of like Covenant Eyes. It's like a anti, almost like a, you could say like an anti-pornography kind of like app you can download on your phone that like protects people from like, uh, you know, um, scandalous images and things like that, right? And so uh, great for people who have kids and, and great for people who are struggling like with pornography addiction. And what I, the comparison I made for him, <laughs> out of, 
you know, uh, I don't know if he loved or not, but, uh, <laughs> but what I talked about was I was like pornography and birth control, I think are very similar in that we almost just accept them as normal for teenagers, right? Like if a teenage boy is watching porn or a teenage girl is immediately put on birth control, which happens to almost all of them between the ages of 12 and 15, mm-hmm. sometimes earlier. Um, we're just like, yeah, great. And we don't really think about, we don't educate parents on the side effects on the long-term impacts. We don't educate the people who are taking them and using them on side effects or long-term impacts. Um, and they can really do a lot of destruction. And I'm not necessarily saying that both of them need to be completely illegal as an American. Um, I don't encourage either the, the use of either of them as a Catholic. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, and I, my stance on them as an American is that they should at least have to have the transparency to really tell people, this is how it ends up impacting your life long-term. Yeah. You know, and I don't know how, like we made such a big push against cigarettes, you know, over like the 20 year period in the nineties and the two thousands of like being transparent about the health impacts of that. And like, I don't know why we can't do that on all the things, you know, and we're, we're moving further away from that as well to, to more, as long as it makes people money, it's like, yeah, just keep it kind of blurred, like a gray area and just have people like assume you need it. And then people go and take it. The vaccine is another great example of that of straight immunity for the people who are, are making it. And yet everybody's forced to take it with you. Like, I don't like the most simple thing for me to, for, for people to understand is that you can't know the long-term effects of something that was created last year. Very true. Very true. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like, I mean, that's yeah. like, that's not like, you don't have to like, people always be like, I'm a doctor, I'm a nurse. It's like, you don't have to, like, I don't need a, an MD to know that you can't know what happens 10 years from <laughs> From the time you take the vaccine, the vaccine was created last year. You just can't know it. I'm not mad at you for not knowing it, but can you just admit that you don't know? Very you know solid point. Yeah, and yeah. That's why I don't know why people won't just say that. But we have we have the data, we have the the sources on things that are that are impacting people with um, those two, which I think is an interesting example between pornography and uh, and birth control and how they impact people in the long run. Um, interesting. I'm yeah. not. I tell you. I tell you what. The honest to God's truth. Um, I I ended up getting the vaccine, and whatever comes next, I'm not getting down with it. The only reason I got, only reason I <laughs> got the I vaccine like everybody, this time, everybody's getting that point, bro. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not getting. I like for me, honest to God, I don't. I don't wear masks. I don't wear masks. You know, what I'm saying I have the only time I wear masks is of course when I'm flying. But other than that, in the store, I'm not wearing a mask. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm not getting anything that comes yeah, after this. Yeah, it's stupid. But I'm not getting anything after. Did you? Matter of fact, did you see? I think it was Spirit uh, CEO. Well, Southwest. Was it Southwest? Yeah, Southwest and like Delta. I think they all uh, uh, testified in front of Congress and said that it's like safer than it's like 15 times safer than a normal building being on an airplane <laughs> because it's, the airs the airs change over every two minutes and the filters catch like 99.8 percent of all all things. And so they were like, you're literally safer. They, I, no, 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 not 15 times safer. The, the stat was, they said, you're literally safer sitting next to somebody on one of our airplanes than you are sitting 15 feet away from somebody in a normal building. That's That sounds pretty accurate. That's I can so see the science. I can see the science. <laughs> and they, they're that. trying to make it forever. Mask on planes forever. Yeah. There's no, but that's the thing is there's no looking at data or like the actual impacts of things. That's the crazy, that's the craziest thing. When you talk about like, what's real, like what's real? Oh, how are we not? How are we not moved by by facts and data and information? Like we're literally just and, and, and people, those are the same people who like encourage you to be atheist because they're like, God's not real, you can't prove it. And it's like your whole life, everything that you stand for is like based on some other shit that somebody just told you, you just accept it. Yep. It doesn't make any sense. 
You know, these people never want to study history. They don't study the actual numbers of, of disease. They don't study the actual numbers of climate change and things like that. Like, it's just, it's just, yeah. Like somebody said this was good. Someone who I respect. And, and so I, I take it as the truth, you know, which goes back again to like the network marketing and watching people do that. I was just like, how do, are people really this simple? And when you start to realize that they are, it's really sad. It's crazy how everything comes full circle in a conversation. <laughs> it really is true because people are, like you said, they're taking advice and they're living out their lives to people who aren't doing the right thing for themselves. Right. Like I think, correct me if I'm wrong, it's either the FDA or CDC, whoever is like the, the, the chair of those organizations are like the most obese people. And I'm like, how do you sit here and make all these regulations of what's good for us and what's not? And you don't even go to the gym. You right. don't even work out. You know what I'm saying? So like for people to listen to people like that, take their yeah. advice Did you and see live McDonald's? out their life. I saw something out. that was like McDonald's is starting. <laughs> no, no, no. I got you. So it's in China, but the China that I think oh, the McDonald's in China? in China, it's in I China. So the, yeah, the, the McDonald's in China is incorporating like <laughs> treadmills as you're eating or something like that. Is that what oh, you're talking about? No, 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 no. I saw that they were doing like some marketing stuff for like their fry boxes. were going to have like vaccine logos what? and stuff on like encouraging people to get vaccinated and so I, I never checked that one so i don't know if it's true or not but i mean obviously we do know that like krispy kreme was giving out free donuts for people who got vaccinated um, uh, okay and a lot of other so, things like that were happening so this was it says uh mcdonald's in china bro it says the McDonald's chinese are already much less obese than us very true and i heard everything on their menu is a lot smaller too but it says mcdonald's has installed exercise bikes in some of its restaurants in china so customers can work out and charge their phones while eating that's on Tech uh, Tech Insider, and they posted wow. this. Yeah, it was a TikTok of, of a woman eating and riding her, her bike in McDonald's in China. That's incredible. And uh, America would never. Let America, me. <laughs> America would never. No, for sure not. A question for you. I want to go back to this because we, we talked about it briefly before. What is your view? What are your thoughts on, on student loan forgiveness? Are you pro? And if so, like, how do you think it, how do you think it should happen? It's like one of those things like, you know what you signed up for. <laughs> I'm just, just, sound, I'm just, I'm a realistic, you like, bro. You sound like a drill sergeant right now. Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of know what you signed up for. Like we're at a new age in, in, in society. Thank now you for your service, by the way. No, we thank you for your message. service. You know what I'm saying? You were actually do active duty. Um, <laughs> You're I was still never, in, aren't you? I am. Yeah. I got like two more years and I'm probably go IR, but. um. Hell yeah, you are. <laughs> as, long as, Putin, as long as Putin doesn't do anything crazy. <laughs> This man, he's a ticking time bomb over there. Um, but no, I think it's a choice, man, for sure. Like you have to understand, you know, the decisions that you're making and what decision today is going to dictate your life four years from now. I think that's important. And, you know, it's kind of hard for a 17, 18 year old, 19 year old person to make a decision today, um, you know, and say, hey, I want to do this. And then by the time you graduate college, you have a complete flip flip of a switch of what it is you want to do. Right. That was me. And uh, I don't know. I, I think ah, that's a great question, man. That's a great question. I think it there. I think there should be a forgiveness plan installed. But ah, see, this is why I'm not in politics, y'all. This is exactly why I'm not in politics. That's I right. Mean, no, I was just curious. I mean, you don't have to. Yeah, like, no. yeah, you don't have to. If you don't know, you don't know. It's, it's all good. But um, yeah, I was just curious because you had mentioned it. And I know that that's something. One thing I think is interesting now, I never heard the stat that you shared earlier about the increase in black, uh, the wealth of black people if student loans were forgiven. The thing that 
concerns me, even if that, like, if that is true, and I'm not, I'm not saying that you're lying or anything like that, but um, even if that were to happen, right. Let's, let's say he could wipe it out tonight overnight. That would happen. That black wealth would increase, I guess, just by the elimination of debt. You know what I mean? Like if, if I, if I owe 40 grand and I have $10,000 in my bank account, like my, my net worth is negative 30,000. Right. So right. that would be the, inc- it wouldn't be like an actual increase in like having like your, your, uh, uh, assets wouldn't imp- increase. Right. Right. Um, but your, your debts would go down, which is still massive. It's a huge thing. The problem that I have is that people still don't like, we still don't have like a financial education. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Right. No, so if you, yeah. if you get into $25,000 with the credit card debt and that's wiped away, like what is it to, what's there to say that you're still going to like end up wealthy at the end of your life. Right. Or that you're going to make any more positive decisions to change your behaviors. Right. Like, Dave Ramsey talks about that 90% of wealth creation is uh, behavior, not head stuff. He's like, it's only 10% head stuff, 90% behavior. Right. And so like, I love like Larry Elder shares the stat um, that I I believe this is the stat uh, that black married couples have a lower poverty rate than white married couples. Um, Or maybe it's just white people as a race, but I think it's like, there's some crazy stat like that where the couples that are married that are black, have a lower poverty rate than some subset, either either married white couples or it's like white people in general, um, like the white poverty rate, right? And I think that's the kind of stuff, like the cultural things that we don't address. And I think especially within the black community, we don't address enough to recognize like that matters. You know, it's objectively true. Like the, the benefits of having a father in a home, the benefits of marriage, right? Financially, um, obviously spiritually, but also just like behaviorally, academically, education-wise, the things that you go on to do, like that's the type of stuff that we need to be educating people on. And we don't do it. Yeah. We don't talk no, about I, that. Right. We never talk about like, how can we as a black community work better with the police who obviously do a lot to help the black community. And a lot of them come from the black community. Let's not forget that. Right. Like cops aren't all white. <laughs> like, like, I mean, New York city cops are literally like split black, white, and Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at that and say, they like you, you're, you're in the military. Uh, I was in the military. We probably know a lot of people who end up becoming police officers. We obviously know a lot of people yeah. in the military. They don't join to go ruin the lives of Afghans, right? Like right. you join to like, you have a purpose and you want to do good in the world. Like that's why people go and become police officers. Maybe back in the day, people did it because they wanted to beat the shit out of Rodney King, but that's not like, it's very, very rare in today's, in today's world. Um, and you can see that even in the statistics that black people at this point are actually less likely to be shot by police because of this fear of BLM and all these things that have happened, right? Uh, than white people um, are like white criminals or people who that engage with the police, at least not everybody that engages with the police and ends up with something is, is, is a criminal, but a lot of them are. But I think when we don't address these things, if we don't talk about the root of the problem actually get to it, it's not going to change anything. It's just going to become something else. You, you see this happen. Like, even if we got reparations, like if we don't teach people what to do with money, like just giving black people more, I, I have half my family's black, just like yours. Give my black family $2,000. And I'm telling you, it's not going to be 10 grand in five years. Yep. Like a majority of them, not all of them. I have some family members who I know are financially successful, who invest, who do, who budget, who do smart things. I'm not saying that black people are, are ignorant. I'm not saying that we're stupid. I'm not saying that we can't do it. But I'm telling you that the majority of the black people in my family, if you gave them a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars extra, they're not gonna they're not gonna budget. They're not gonna invest it. They're not gonna invest it in a business. They're not gonna do any of that. Some of them yeah. would, but we don't teach that and we don't make that a priority. You know, and that's what I think needs to change. That's what needs to be altered to educate. Why don't we, in the meantime, before we forgive student loans, why don't we start educating high schoolers on your life's going to be pretty effed up if you take on 80K of debt by the time you're 22? 
to, to get a, to get a gender studies degree, right? Like, yep. like you can do that, but just like understand that you're choosing to do that. And, and I always just ask people that are pro student loan forgiveness. I'm like, what, like why student loans and why not car loans? Mm. Right. There's a lot of, I mean, if it's trying to help the lower middle class, a lot of them don't have college degrees, yep. you know, like percentage wise, obviously like the higher uh, classes have higher um, levels of, of education, especially the middle class compared to the lower, the lower class. But if like a lot of them have cars or car loans, why not give like a car loan stipe or a car stipend or car loans or something like, you know what I mean? Like why student loans? Why, you know, why not house loans? There's a lot of millennials. People are struggling to buy houses. Like why not pay off mortgages or a percentage of mortgage? Like, I don't understand why it is student loan, but I do, I mean, I do understand why it is. I have my theory on why it is, but um, yeah, man, it's crazy. Yeah. It's a business within itself for sure. And the thing with generational wealth exactly. is- how many generations can that wealth last? And again, I don't know where exactly I saw this from or where I heard it from, but I think the average generational wealth, quote unquote, only lasts three to four generations until yeah. someone messes up the cycle. Somebody F's it up. <laughs> yeah, because think about it. Think about it, bro. Let's just say um, you know, you had generational wealth of whatever that looked like for you, and you pass it down to your, you know, your kids, right? And they your kids pass it down to your great grandkids. But I think eventually along that chain, comfortability becomes an issue. Um, you, you know, I think people before they can have the rags and riches, like you, well, before you can have the riches, you got to have the rags. You got to go through the trenches. You got to understand discipline and work ethic and all those things of what really builds someone up, you know, going to, you know, have all, the, all that success. Uh, so I think that'd be a great, interesting, you know, research to understand what, does generational wealth look like and how long on average does it last? Because again, not everybody's going to have the Rockefeller generational wealth. And we already know where that comes from, but right. um, you know, that's a, that's a different type of different type of wealth, but you know, the average black American or, you know, Caucasian American, whatever the average person who accumulates that wealth, you know, how can we scale it to where we can really make it stretch longer than three generations? I think that's, an, I think that's something to also look into as well too, right. but uh, no, nah, man, education, I, it, it is education, you know, education of what we're not taught in school, of course. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just crazy, bro. When we're teaching people the opposite, especially young black people. When you talk about critical race theory and some of these things where it's like you're a victim and nothing you can do will help you get ahead. You're being oppressed like you can't succeed when you have these messages of just straight pessimism versus like I, I loved when I was, I was going to message you today, uh, saw your, your bio on Instagram the power of choice and open perspective and deep curiosity can take you far. And yeah. the power of choice is a big one, man. And it's something that I think it's one of the most racist ideas. I think that circulates out there in the world. I watched a really, really funny, uh, and it's funny. It's sad, but like, sometimes you gotta laugh at funny or sad shit because it's the only way to like <laughs> not lose your mind and yeah, like yeah, fight yeah. people. Yeah. Um, and so I was watching this video. This is this guy like interviewing people in New York city. Um, and he went to like Central Park and interviewed a bunch of white people. And then he went to Harlem and interviewed a bunch of black people. Mm. Um, uh, and obviously there's white and black people in both places, but that's just kind of where the two places that he went to. And right. uh, he's like Middle Eastern uh, American. And he was asking them about obesity rates. Why are obesity rates so high amongst inner city black people was the question, essentially. And uh, the white people were all like racism. Right. It was like racism. They don't have. And I mean, they said some racist shit too. like, not just, not just racism, like, you know, whole foods and things like that aren't available to black people, but, or like they're systemic, but they were like, racism keeps people like black people are uneducated on what food is healthy versus not. 
uh, because of racism, right? Like uh, black people don't have the ability to choose. Like they can't make the decision to like eat healthy things. Like, like they talk about black people, some like white liberals. I always laugh. Like when I read, uh, if you ever read the autobiography of Malcolm X, um, which I, I enjoyed a lot of that. And I've, I've learned a lot about Malcolm X over the last year or so, but like his disdain for white liberals who like want to come in and be like the white saviors for black people is really, really strong and really interesting to me because um, I think he was like so radical. Like I think he hated everybody kind of government wise, you know, like he yeah. thought they were all trash, which I can really appreciate the black people who have that stance that are like not, neither Republicans nor Democrats care about black people. I think that they're, that there's a lot of them who think that the Democrats are going to be the saviors, which is not true. Um, and we see that time and time again. And I don't know how long people be deceived before they start to realize it, but um, you know, watching them. And then he goes to, <laughs> he goes to Harlem and the funny shit is like, at least three of them said like, there's no like healthy options there. Uh, yeah. Places like Whole Foods and stuff like that don't, don't open in inner city. So he stands in front of the Whole Foods in Harlem first. Like that was like his like opening thing, right? He starts like <laughs> people were there. It's so funny, man. But he's interviewing these black people, and he's like, "Why do you think they're Easter?" And he's like, "People just make their decisions. People are making choices. They're not eating the right healthy foods and stuff like that. Like, you don't have to be a doctor again to know that a McDonald's cheeseburger is less healthy for you than an apple, right? Like, right. that is not that is not like specific like hidden knowledge. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that there's this interesting take on people that it's the same thing kind of with student loans. Like, you had to do it." You know, like you have to go to college, you have to do all these things and you have to take on the debt. And it's like, no, you don't though. You, you know, don't. like you have the ability to choose and to make choices. And then you have responsibilities to, to deal with the consequences of those choices. And just because you hate the, the consequences does not mean that everybody that, that makes you deal with those consequences is evil and oppressing you. Or even and sometimes the things that make you deal with those consequences are biology just like reality right like mm -hmm. when you eat if i eat a bunch of fish i had two donuts for breakfast right like i'm not expecting my six pack to pop up tomorrow it's 1 yeah. p.m and all i've eaten is two donuts <laughs> okay you know what i'm saying but i'm not gonna look at you when i'm fat tomorrow and be like Corey did this shit to me man here's the thing and i'm starting to see this kind of align right so one learn how to think two understand risk management and your decision making and then three would probably be perspective, like, like deepening your perspective of life. Um, and, and then losing that victim mentality, because I think that is a downfall in the community. Um, yeah. you, I honestly, God's truth. I want to be at a place where I'm not dependent on any government or any military to take care of me and my family. And a lot of, a lot of people don't understand that, but yeah. I do not want to be at a place where I'm, I'm literally waiting on the government to either give me money or I'm waiting on some type of benefits from Uncle Sam. Like that is a place where I do not want to be in my life. And until I reach that, I'm going to keep working. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But um, I think that's a downfall in the community for sure is having that victim mentality saying, oh, well, this isn't fair. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a two-sided choice. Like, yes, you know, the odds might be stacked against you, but at the end of the day, until you make that decision to redefine who you are and what you want out of this life, things are going to say the same for you, you know? Right. And it's just, it's just kind of sad how a lot of people, they have this victim mentality and they're okay with it. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like they wake up every single day and they be like, oh, damn, I can't do this today. Or, you know, I can't go here today, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, man, like, until you really, really awakening yourself and be like, you know what? I got one life to live. 
I'm going to live it how I want to live. I'm going to make the best decisions I can day in and day out. Uh, things won't change for you, you know, and that's something that the community has to kind of understand. But, uh, you know, I mean, life ain't fair, but shit, you got to do what you got to do, man. Right. But and I think it's almost like it, there's this huge uh, misconception, I think, too. And I, I even fall into this sometime of thinking that much more of the black community has that victim mentality than really do. And that's what I loved about this, like, interview of people, uh, of, like, checking with people on the street. Because I think that, you know, Larry Elder, again, another stat that he often shares is, like, and I'm going to butcher it. I don't know the exact stat. I have to look it up. But he talks about basically that a vast majority of teen black teenagers in the 90s said that they did not think that race played a, a, a big factor in their success or lack of success in their future. Right. Like in the 90s, black people had kind of already shaken out of that. Right. Now, obviously, that might have been a huge thing back in like the early 1800s. Right. Or right yeah. after slavery or the early uh, 1900s, even early 20th century. But like there was this like re- there, there is and, and was a very resilient spirit amongst black people. And and think of like some of the leaders. Right. Like um, when you think of, uh, you know, um, Oh man, I, I'm dying on everybody. Frederick Douglass, right? You think of Martin Luther King, you think of Malcolm X. Like, there was this passion, there was this desire, there was this 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 fight to say, you know, like we can make it, like we can survive. Um, that that were that I think a lot of white people who are racist who ha- hold these racist ideas um, try to kill within the black community and say, no, you are oppressed, you are a victim, like you're not going to be able to succeed, and everything's set up against you. And like a lot of black people don't believe that. And you have these dumbass black celebrities who will come out and try to echo and parrot that shit because I think they get paid to say it, but hundred percent, but it's not real. And I think there's a lot of black people who don't think that way. And, and a lot of us who, who want to go out there and, 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 and get ours, you know what I mean? And get after it and, and succeed and do whatever it is that we feel called to do. Um, and we don't have this sense of like, I got to be afraid every time I go out of my house because the police are looking to hunt me down um, that nobody's going to let me succeed in life. So I might as well not try like, it doesn't exist as much as, as people really think it does, I think. But yeah, the, the anyways, that's a long rant from the student loan forgiveness. But <laughs> I think it's, uh, it's an interesting topic, man. No, nah, it is for sure. And it, like like you said, I agree with your side as well. But, you know, my side, I think is still still strong in the same sense, too. Uh, but I mean, I don't know, man. Like you said, that passion. And I think it comes down to really being able to solve problems, too. Like if you're at a point in your life when you feel like life is truly, truly that unfair to you, what are you going to do about it? Create a solution. You know what I'm saying? Be be driven to solve problems. Um, And if you can't solve a problem, then, you know, that's a different story. But yeah, no, I like what you said, though, for sure. Yeah, we got plenty, plenty of issues. I love talking about these random, these random like <laughs> political and social issues with you. I think it's really fun, man. Nah, I, 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 bro. Every time I talk to you, I'm always learning a lot, man. For real, that's great. Yeah, praise the Lord, man. There's lots of, uh, yeah, lots of podcasts, learnings, and things like that. And these are the individual topics. Um, you know, uh, a little bit ago, at the, when this comes out, I have I have released my. Uh, podcast on like why I became conservative and like how that journey went for me. And this is the type of stuff that even these little things, you know what I mean? Or like uh, the death penalty or gender pronouns or uh, minimum wage, right? Um, Where I just like, again, what you talked about earlier, what we talked about earlier of like doubting and like questioning things, because so many of the, the liberal ideologies or policies can sound really good, right? 
Like, you know, like I have, a, I have a cousin, right. Who's really struggling to pay off her student loans. So when I hear about student loan forgiveness, it can be like, yeah, that sounds good. You know, like it sounds like a good thing. Right. And you, and you think about it and immediately it's like, yes, should minimum wage be higher? Like immediately, like your gut reaction, if you had to just like, you know, if you had like first thing that comes to your mind, like I'm going to ask you 10 questions in the next 10 seconds. Right. Like almost all of them, you'd be like, yes, 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 yes. Right. But if you like take a second to like, let me consider some alternative perspectives. Right. And let me look into like, what are the, again, you know, like, what are the, all of the, the follow on impacts of these decisions of these policies? That's when you start to really, uh, you know, get red pills as they say, and to start to like, think and be like, you know what, maybe I am a little bit more conservative than I thought. Um, once you start to take in some of these things and maybe you're not, you know, maybe you're just more middle and moderate than you thought, but I think it's pretty rare that people stay very, very far left if they actually educate themselves on both sides. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think it's something that it's hard to look into without becoming more of that thing. Um, and I've often said that, you know, from my perspective, like, I think that's true of both. Uh, I, I say, I think, I think it was really easy for me to kind of come to the conservative movement because I had the same thing with my faith of, I always say, I think a lot of times when people really start to look to questions and, and question things and look more into Catholicism, I think they get drawn more into orthodoxy. You know, our friend Jason Anderson's having an interesting path of that as well, especially coming out of the business to going to asking a lot of questions. He's, he's not Catholic, but he's becoming more and more orthodox and less into some of the like mega churches and some of those things. Um, and I think that the same thing is true of conservatives. I'm like, a lot of people just don't want to look into them because they might not like becoming more of the thing that they once hated or, or, yeah, or no, taught to I dislike, think, you know? Yeah, I think... Um... I don't know. I, you know, I've always been a truth seeker. Yeah. Like that, that's just, that's just kind of who I always been. But now that the truth is more out there, I'm always wondering why don't other people want to go seek the truth? Right. You know, and there's, yeah, Noble and I talked about that a lot. Like why, why don't we have more truth seekers instead of just hearing something and believing it? And then that, that's just how it is. But, you know, I think when you're a truth seeker, you're, you're definitely going to be, looked down upon in the same sense in a different sense but at the same time like you just have more peace about yourself right right like you're more comfortable knowing who you are who you are and how to live your life like for me uh you know when it comes to like spirit you know spirituality and everything like that like there's stuff that the big churches do that i'm not really fond on but for me it's like why do i need to prove myself to anybody else like as long as i have a relationship with my spiritual higher my god like why do I have to get on social media and show people that I worship X, Y, Z? Like, I don't, I've, I'm just at a place now where I'm more comfortable walking in my truth and living my life where I, don't, I feel like I don't have to show other people what I do. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And I think there's power behind that. Oh, yeah. I think when you can avoid any type of people pleasing in life, <laughs> life, is, life is a lot better. You yeah. know, um, obviously, yeah, I think, you know, it's been, it's, it's such a journey for me. I feel like I gave up people pleasing, man. When I was like 13, wow. I was like, yeah, I was How'd like, you go so early. I was like, F this. So this it's really interesting, man, because I, I really did. Like I, I it's kind of, it sounds crazy because so many people like admit to being people pleasers these days yeah. and like well into the thirties, forties, fifties until they're dead. Um, but it's one of my favorite things I really learned from my dad. So my dad and I have like a really interesting relationship and I, I, uh, you know, attribute some, a lot of my tribulations, especially as a child, but even like into my adulthood from my relationship with him and the example he set. 
But the one thing I got to give my man is he never gave a shit what anybody thought. Like to a fault, like almost too extreme. You know what I mean? Like he did his own thing to to yeah. a dangerous extent that I think really jeopardized uh, my parents' marriage and uh, other relationships that were important to him. Um, so you obviously have to cap that, I think. And, and really, I think the rightly ordered life is caring mostly what God thinks about you. Um, and, and following, you know, your moral code and, and the, the truth that God's laid out for us. And I think that after that, then you, you know, have to make good decisions. And if you operate within that, you're not going to be, you know, selfish towards your wife or selfish towards other people. Right. But you're going to not care what other people think to, uh, especially above what God thinks. But I really did learn that. And, and so I was kind of, I, I had a really interesting, like kind of childhood growing up. And I felt like a lot of my siblings didn't like me because I was my dad's favorite of his seven kids. And it was like pretty obvious. I think, you know, he spent a lot of time with me, invested a lot in me. At least it seemed like I was his favorite. Um, I don't think any of my siblings listen to the podcast. anyway; like, they're going to be offended by that, but uh, they don't listen to this shit anyways. But like, I, I think like coming up and then having that, I always felt like I, I you know, I've shared this before. I, I feel like I was too black for the white kids, too white for the black kids. I went to a Catholic school. I wasn't Catholic until I was, you know, until the end of this time, um, until I was a teenager, um, and so like really just I felt like a misfit everywhere. And I was like, what if I just didn't care anymore? You know, I was like, what if I just like did the things that like I thought were really awesome? And like, and obviously I went like very far into a lot of things I shouldn't have, you know, started having sex at a young age and um being a playboy and like not, you know, respected women well, um, and drinking and smoking weed. But I also like gave a lot into basketball um and just kind of developed myself in that way, right? And just started like to seek out who I wanted to be. And, and later by the grace of God started to seek out who was God calling me to be. And so it was kind of those, I call it, you know, if you, you've probably read Wild at heart um, and heard of John Eldridge's uh, oh, yeah. six stages of a man. I say those are my cowboy years. Right. And, and it really was, it's kind of this like lawless time of my life where I was just like, I don't give a shit. I don't get, I don't care. Like I was like, I don't care what anybody thinks I'm doing whatever I want. And it was wild. And luckily it got tamed over time. Um, but it really did lead into some of my warrior years, both like being in the military and now uh, in some of my leadership and just the stuff that I speak about, just being bold. And like, I've lost a lot of friends, you know, just like we talked about earlier for voting for Trump or for becoming more conservative and things like that. And I just, I just don't care, you know, like, I, I mean, I went to, I was in church this morning and praying and, um, you know, as long as I'm right with that. And obviously now is like close to getting married and Emily takes a huge priority in my life. And as long as she's good and she's taken care of and, and, and we're good. Like that, everything else is secondary to those two things, you know? Um, and it, it, it's hard for people to get to that point. That, that, that includes my job, right? Like sometimes my job suffers from my relationship or it suffers from my faith or it suffers, you know, but I have things, I try to at least have things rightly ordered. And so that I'm not, you know, doing things just to please other people, but I had to give it up at an early age. And I created this false sense of confidence and found a lot of confidence in, um, the wrong things for a while, but it was through first seeking that out. I'm glad that I did it though, because that's what led to me finding confidence in the right things. You know? Damn, man. I really <laughs> just feel like you just painted a picture for the people um, from boy to manhood. Seriously. And I think your, your right. warrior season, I think you, you might be, I wouldn't even say might be, but you're definitely stronger than where, you know, where you are today than that time going through the military, going through ranger school, things like that. And, you know, so oh, yeah. You're, you're just, and much more mature. A hundred percent, bro. And the things you're talking about now, man, like you can't, you can't be in uniform talking about this stuff at work. Right. <laughs> Especially <laughs> not now. No, man, I'd bro. be done. You can't, man. So I do got, I can do, I got one more question for you. What is more, I mean, I kind of have a sense of what you're going to say, but what do you think is more important? 
following your heart or following the Holy Spirit? Well, I think uh, ideal in the ideal situations, those are the same, but um, definitely give precedent in my opinion. And I think the opinion of the church to, to follow the Holy Spirit. So I think what's dangerous of when we say follow our heart is that when I was doing those things as a high schooler, like, I think I was following my desires, right? Right. Yeah. Like I was following that question from, yeah, that's kind of where I, I was following the things that I wanted. And I think you have a lot of, I think those are kind of the, the two options that the world and, and the church present us with today, right? Like it's very clear. Like you have this kind of like, um, in, in, in the same way that the left, especially, uh, removes the individual as the primary thing um, uh, in, in regards to freedom and, and limits the individual instead of limiting the government, you have this same promotion of the same people that like you do whatever makes you happy, right? Like nothing is more important than you, except for the government when it's time for you, when you start acting out. But, you know, for the time being like sexually, whether it's pornography or other types of things, like just do whatever feels right, you know, uh, live whatever kind of life, believe whatever you want to live. You know what I mean? Like live by your own way. And, and God says, no, come and live by my way. Um, and you will be more happy. You will be more fulfilled. And so like the more that we grow to be like Christ, which is the goal, the more our lives and our desires are going to be aligned with God's um, and with the Holy spirit. You know what I mean? Um, and our conscience is going to be more well-formed and things like that. And so my desires change, just like when you, when you stop, like, you know, when you clean up your diet, right? Like you don't desire the donuts and shit as much anymore. Unlike me this morning. Um, or you start to work out, right. You start to get the results and things like that. Like you don't desire to eat junk food. You don't desire, like you actually have a desire to go to the gym. So it's the same way as like, I have the, like my heart on Sunday morning. Like I want to go to church, right? Like I want to do nice things for Emily. I want to serve her, love her and take care of her. Um, it's not like this chore anymore, you know? And so you start to get more rightly ordered, um, as time goes on, as you become closer to God. Yeah, I love it, bro. Have you heard of uh, 75 heart from Andy? Fisher? I have. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's one called, did you do it? No, I never did it, but there's oh. one called 60, 60 days discipline. Um, mm. and I'm about to start off 2022 with it, but basically, um, I mean, I'm already kind of already doing it, but now I'm going to really like be more intentional in tracking myself. But basically you spend 10 minutes of prayer. Um, you read two chapters a day, one from the old Testament, one from the new Testament, mm. and then you work out two times a day for 30 minutes. And then whatever one you, whatever rule you want to add, maybe like no phony, no, but no phone in your bedroom or if you yeah. clean up your diet or something like that. Um, I'm gonna start tracking myself. Cause I mean, me getting closer to God, definitely sharpening my relationship, you know, my personal relationship. And that's what a lot of people I think miss. Like they say, Oh, what's your relationship? Like they want to see it. Why do I have to show you what my personal relationship is like with God? You know what I'm saying? And, and uh, for me, it's just, you know, taking that, that, that deep month, taking that break from social media and not trying to be on it as much and being out there for other people to really see and really focusing on who Corey is, is living out his truth and just be, trying to become a better man like you, bro. Cause that's really what it's all about, man. Just trying to be a healthier man. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. We trying to be free. Yeah. Trying to be free, bro. Yeah. It's really, it's really a tough balance, especially in the world of social media, because I think that people go into two extremes, right? Uh, they either want to like share their faith for the sake of like seeming holier to other people, mm. or they want to keep their faith completely private. Right. Not like, and, and Jesus, like specific, like Jesus himself, like not, you know, like the, I'm not talking about the church fathers. I'm not talking about in the letters, like Jesus himself talks about being cautious of both of those things, right? Like he says, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, your father who sees in secret will reward you in secret. He says to do the same thing with our almsgiving, right? 
um, to, to be aware of the, the prophet, uh, the, um, Pharisees, you know, who are praying in the street quarters and doing all these things. He talks about the widow who gave her two cents in the back of the church, right? Uh, back of the temple. Um, but at the same time, he says, make disciples of all nations, right? Evangelize. He sends the 72 out to go and tell people about him. And so we have this, this tough balance of like to do the pious things in secret, right? And, and to, to worship God and to have our prayer time and to not feel the need to post everything, but at the same time to evangelize other people. And so it's a tough thing. And I, I, and I have a lot of people who ask me about that, like, should I use social media for evangelization or share conservative values and things like that? And I'm like, it's not for everybody. Right. And I have to be careful of like, why am I doing it? Right. So like I shared things yesterday. I posted today about going to confession and, and being in church this morning. Um, talked about it here with you today. And like you have to evaluate your, your motivations. Right. But like I do get the messages from people that are like, hey, I prayed the rosary today because because you reminded me to or Hey, I read scripture today because you reminded me to or Hey, I went to confession because you posted about it. you know what I mean? And so there's like this balance of. I got to be careful. It's like, why am I doing these things? Which is, it's really helpful <laughs> in kind of an ironic sense. It's really helpful about posting both conservative stuff and Catholic stuff because people, I get more hate than I do positivity. <laughs> so it keeps you helpful. You know what I mean? So I'm like, yeah. I'm not just posting to be liked, but I do criticize a lot, especially the big Catholic accounts who will post a lot of like the pious, cute stuff and won't post any of the hard stuff. Cause I'm like, that's like, I, I, I appreciate it. And I'm glad that like, I haven't had some like monumental like meteoric like rise in social media followers because that's not what i'm doing it for right like i'm doing it genuinely and i know that because i don't check my social media followers i'm not like how many likes did i get and all this other stuff right i don't often check my story views or any of that stuff i do it because i enjoy the people i engage with i do the podcast i do this because you know 119 people last year listened to us more than any other podcast and i'm like dude like for 119 people like this was like a big deal you know and like i think it really is forming them and bringing people like you once they can hear ideas and things like that and stretching their mind and growing them. I'm like, I do it for 50 people. I do it for 10. If there was just 10 people, you know, that were listening to it, it's like, we, we would keep doing it. So um, I think that's the big thing that, and I think that the Lord prepares us to have more responsibility to make sure our hearts right along the way um, because you really can get lost in some of the success and things like that. And, and in our faith to want to share it in, in the wrong ways, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. And I think for me, that might be, that might be something I'm gonna have to find that balance in in 2022 because I know I have a greater purpose. I have strengths and I have influence. Um, Definitely. But again, I don't really care for the social media aspect of things, but I just know that's how we're moving in today's society. So I got to do my due diligence. I have to do my due diligence and really, really just hone in and find that balance, bro. So I appreciate you for sure. Yeah. One of, and last thought on that is like one of my favorite priests, Father Mike Schmitz. Like he's kind of giving me this idea that like not all of us are called to like evangelize or do stuff on social media, right, or on the internet in any capacity or podcast or write. But we are all called to like when the Holy Spirit prompts us, when we're with a friend, or we're on a plane, or we're just with somebody to like share the gospel, right? Like we are called to be a witness, to live life right for the sake of other people, to be an example, to live beyond reproach, as the gospel gospel and the letters tell us to in the New Testament. Um, like we are all called to that. Like there's no escaping that. Nobody's called to be a social media evangelist and then not give a shit about people in person, right? Like that was we. Uh, I wasn't even going to share about this. Emily posted about it um, because she was really moved by this experience we had recently with like cleaning our church before Christmas. Um, and I was really, I was like the most proud that I was in the whole experience was she in the post talked about how when they asked for volunteers at church, she said, I knew immediately Nathan was going to be like, we're doing that. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I was like, man, like, I'm so glad. And it was like, so rewarding and like refreshing for me, which is not the reason why I did it, but the God just really blessed that time of like, I was on my hands and knees, like scrubbing the, the floor, like in front of the altar 
um, to like clean it because it was pretty dirty. Um, and I was just like, man, like never be too good for this. Mm. You know what I mean? Like no matter how many podcasts or people flying you to speak and, and all like never, like never be above this. I was really disappointed at how few people came. You know, but I was like, I want us to always be, I was like, Emily, we're going to do this every year before Christmas and Easter. I'm going to bring our kids. Like when, when the church, and obviously there's people who are busy and stuff like that. So I'm not judging individuals for not right, coming, right. but I was just really sad at how few people came because our church is, is pretty big. But I was just like, man, like no matter, like I, w- I want our kids to know that like when the church in the front, when they ask for help, like we are the people they can look to, right? Like we're the one, we don't say like, oh, somebody else will like this. Look how many people are here. Like tons of people will probably show up. Like we don't make that assumption. Like we show up, right? And then we know there will at least be two of us there on on Sunday when they need help or Saturday morning. And so, like that's the type of people you want to be. And that that kind of stuff, that like little service, you know, the humbling stuff, like mopping mopping the entryway, um, like that's the stuff that'll keep you humble. I think it really help you to 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 see like where am I at? Where are my motivations? Like, am I just living my faith for myself and and being selfish or, or trying to show off on social media? You know what I mean? Like not everything you do, not every time you go to confession, not every time you go to church has to be posted, right? Like it's good to share and, and encourage people every now and then, but not everything. I, I don't have to post every day. I, I open my Bible, right? I don't have to post and share my favorite part of scripture and all this stuff. Like that, it just doesn't have to be like that. Occasionally sharing, you feel inspired. You have, you know, a thought or a message to share is great, but every day, shut the hell up. That's, like you said at the beginning. That's, that's a bit much. That's yeah. Bit much. <laughs> we have to have an opinion on everything. But anyways, we've gone super long, which is awesome. Bro, for no for you, no man. script <laughs> i love you bro like I, i'm truly grateful to have you know a friend like you in my life man where someone i can always bounce ideas and and hell even just have an example of of a, of a relationship you know under christ is, i think that's important especially at a young age in today's society bro so yeah thank you for what you're doing man we need that no i appreciate you thank you so much for coming on and joining us today man i hope people really enjoyed our conversation and just really cool i think both of us coming in here and not knowing just be able to ask each other questions too that we don't know the other person's perspective on with an openness to say, you know, Corey might, uh, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of student loan forgiveness, but Corey might be a huge advocate for it. And like, that's okay. And we know that you can answer that question. Honestly, you can share your honest thoughts with me and vice versa. You know what I mean? Even though we have different things that we might disagree on and we don't live our lives the exact same, whatever, to be able to still be friends and appreciate each other and be able to like, be honest, you know, that's how it should be. Right. Peace and love, man. Peace and love and understanding peace, love and understanding. That's what it's about. The power of choice and deep curiosity. It could take you far. It could take you far. <laughs> I read that somewhere. That's awesome, man. Well, I appreciate it, brother. And everybody, I'll, I'll be tagging you and everything we post and, and share all that stuff with you as this comes out. But I just want to encourage everybody to go and check out Corey's stuff, especially check out the Diaries of a High Achiever, um, his podcast, uh, and just the great work you're doing there and just a lot of great messages and things like that um, that you've shared through there. So I appreciate those and uh, just appreciate the person that you are. Uh, once, I want to once once more thank you for your service uh, to this great country <laughs> and uh, just encourage everybody to check them out, man. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If this was powerful for you, please share it with somebody. Consider leaving us a review. It's the best thing you can do to help support the podcast. And just know the words, eternally grateful for you and always praying for you. God bless. Continue to fight hard.